And I think all of us, ministry leaders or just regular folk, we've all been given gifts and we are called to use those gifts for eternity and for the advance of the kingdom of Christ and the advance of the cause of Christ. Welcome to this week's edition of First Person and today's guest, Dr. Joe Stoll. I'm Wayne Shepherd. looking forward to sharing our recent conversation with you and we'll get started in just a moment. But first, allow me to encourage you to visit our website where you'll find more about today's guest as well as recent interviews. It's found at firstpersoninterview.com. One feature on our website is our continuing offer of the free download of the audiobook Jungle Pilot, telling the story of missionary pilot Nate Saint. You're more than welcome to download the audiobook for free by following the link you'll find at firstpersoninterview.com. I hope you'll enjoy this classic biography of Nate Saint. Well, with Thanksgiving upon us soon, I recently called Dr. Joe Stoll, the current president of Cornerstone University in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and a past president of the Moody Bible Institute, where we jointly serve for many years, including on the radio together. We don't see each other as often anymore, but we picked up right where we left off. Well, Joe, it is good to be back on the radio with you again. For sure, Wayne. You know, how many wonderful years we got to serve the Lord on radio together with Proclaim, (laughs) Moody Presents. You remember. How nice that you remember. (laughs) (laughs) I'm forgetting a lot of things of my age, but I'll never forget that. And I think to encourage you, interestingly enough, you know, coming over here to serve at Cornerstone in West Michigan, how many people to this day tell me, that, hey, we used to listen to you and Wayne on Proclaim. God used it so much in our lives. And it's, you know, so the encouragement is there. And I think we put, by God's grace, we're able to plant a lot of seeds that hopefully today are bearing fruit. Yeah, I hear quite often from listeners as well. But this is a new season of life. It certainly is a new season for you. And I want to talk a little bit about that. But I'm looking at the calendar and realizing that Thanksgiving is just a few days away now. And I I always remember you talking about Thanksgiving being one of your favorite holidays. Yeah, totally. It still is my favorite holiday. And I think it's my favorite holiday because in contrast to Christmas, it's quiet, it's family, we're not rushed. Oh, we got to get the cards done. What's our shopping list look like? Let's get the tree up. You know, you just kind of cruise into Thanksgiving. So I love the pace of it, and I love the feel of it, and I love the food of it, I should say. (laughs) But I also like it because it is such a strong biblical theme in terms of us living out the kingdom virtue of gratitude, which throughout Scripture is constantly put in place as the posture that we should have toward our God and as toward our God, Wayne, toward life that is around us, you know, and everything gives thanks, you know, thanks be to God. And so, you know, it's an important reminder that gratitude is a vitally important part of our spiritual health and probably our mental health as well. Indeed. Now we've got several days before Thanksgiving, so I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you to be thankful for something. Uh, Apart from family, I know how thankful you are for your great family and for all the the people you serve with, but who are some of the people through the years in your life, Joe, who have really uh, meant something extra special to you, maybe a mentor? Yeah, thank you. Well, you really, you ripped Marty away. So that was, as you were asking, I knew that would be your standard answer, right? (laughs) No, but but it's the true answer. Where would my life be today without her as God's gift in my life, her, her encouragement, her support, 
her discernment, her counsel, advice, her love. But I'm not allowed to talk about that because you took that off the table. Well, so. we, we know how much Marty <laughs> means to you and to all of us. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, of course, my dad was a wonderful mentor. Um, more of a mentor, actually, as I watched him in his life. He was a man of great character. He was a pastor and went through all the you know, ups and downs of working with people and working in church world. But he was always strong and positive and respected, Wayne. You know, I would have great Bible teachers come to our church, and they would say to me when I was just a little boy, God's given you a wonderful dad. We just love you and respect your dad. So my dad was always like this icon of godliness and something that I would pursue after. So on my short list, my dad's right at the top. I think probably I'm very thankful for Professor Howard Hendricks, who taught me in seminary. Mm-hmm. He taught me to love the Word of God. He taught me how to study the Word of God. He taught me how to apply the Word of God to my life personally. And he inspired me to communicate the Word of God. I remember one thing, Wayne, you maybe have heard him say this. He said, it's a terrible sin to bore people with the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, from that point on, I said, God help me never to bore people with the Bible and, you know, to be alive and relevant and applicational and true to the text and everything. So in terms of my work for Christ as a pastor and serving at universities and colleges, um, he would be right at the top of the list as yeah. well. How we miss and, Prof, huh? Yeah, well, my goodness, yeah. And, you know, so we all need to be thankful for those few people in our lives who put their fingerprints on us. And without them, you know, where would we be? And I want to say, too, I'm very thankful to the Lord for the gifts that he's given me to serve him with. And, you know, to be able, you know, to see what he's done in my life and through my life for the kingdom a friend of mine once wrote a book he called it was called turtle on a fence post which is a great <laughs> metaphor isn't it because how did the turtle get there somebody put them there so i'm always aware of the fact that all that i am and all i've done and all that i have is because god put me there and no credit to me but to the gifts he gave me uh to be used of him if i look in the rearview mirror mirror i'm deeply thankful for that. But you, like all of us, have had things happen in your life that you didn't exactly welcome when they happened, but when you look back on them, you realized how they contributed to your growth, and you are thankful for them. Yeah, and I think uh, that drives me to that wonderful and very challenging verse, in everything give thanks. Um, that the Bible doesn't say for everything give thanks, but in everything give thanks. And you can only do that if you have the long view that all that comes into our lives is by the providence of God, that He permits challenges and difficulties in our life for an important purpose. And in the end, all things work together for good by His amazing capacity to take wrong and make it good. And so I'm very thankful that I've been lived long enough to see God's work through troubles and trials come to fruit and productivity. And as James 1 says, that those troubles and trials that build character in our lives and make us more like Christ. So mm-hmm. um, I'm very thankful for that reality. And that's, that's the only reason I can give thanks in all things. Yeah, indeed. Well, you mentioned Cornerstone University, where you serve as president now in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You have invested a good chunk of your life in students, first at Moody Bible Institute and now at Cornerstone. That's something to be thankful for. And I know a lot of students are thankful for your leadership. <laughs> 
Well, you know, I think I've got the best job in the world, Wayne. Think about this. I get to get up every morning and be a part of an enterprise that's raising a whole new generation to influence the cultures of this world for Christ. And in this world, by the way, that's no small thing. And so the joy of working with this new generation and their idealism, and and when Jesus gets their hearts, they have passion. You know, it's interesting, this generation from some some of our best churches are kind of biblically illiterate, Mm -hmm. which concerns me, Uh, but they have a passion for Christ and a passion for the world and a passion for the poor and a passion for the gospel. So I'm glad for that because we can ramp up their literacy, you know, but you can't always set that fire in their hearts. So it's a great generation. I love these kids today and very thankful to have a part in you know, until the Lord comes back, a whole new generation that will go out and do great things for God. Aside from their passion, what do they teach you? What do they bring to the campus that excites you? Well, they bring idealism. I mean, these kids really think they can get the world for Jesus. You know, at my age, I'm going like, well, you know, Jesus is coming back to get the world, I think. And, uh, but they, you know, there are no limits to their vision and their zeal. Uh, they're creative. Uh, they're digital. They get all the aspects of digital world and technology, and have a, and they have a deep desire to use that for the gospel. Um, and then they're like like you and I were when we were kids. You know, they're falling in love. So ro- they, you know, campuses are where romances are blossoming. <laughs> campuses are where our athletic teams are totally taking down our our you know the adversarial teams that we love to beat, and the gym is full of people cheering, and it's energy, it's idealism, it's love for the Lord. And when you get old, you need that stuff, because you don't have a lot of that left in you. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I was just thinking about the fact that you, you really do draw energy from that, that campus oh, life yeah. and those students, don't you? No, absolutely. And we have a great faculty here, and just a super community. I, I've got the best team I've ever worked with. I think God said, you know, to the angels, it's Joe's last rodeo, let's give him a break. <laughs> You know, <laughs> what do you mean, last rodeo? You got a lot left. Well, I think I've got a lot left, but this could be the last place I do it. So. <laughs> well, uh, it's amazing how God leads. When uh, when we served together at Moody in Chicago, we thought that was going to be for a lifetime, and God yeah. moves and yeah. and uh, reassigns, and that's that's mm-hmm. really. F- I mean, it's fun when you stop and think about the adventure that God puts in front of you. Right word, Wayne. Following Jesus is a real adventure. When I left Moody after those 18 years of working with great people like you uh, and had such a deep desire, one of the reasons I transitioned was a deep desire just to go teach and preach the Word of God. And so I never dreamed I'd be back in Christian higher ed again. And after three years of teaching and preaching, just... uh, God made it very clear that I was supposed to get back in over here in Grand Rapids, and I've been very happy about that. Tell me the short part of that story. I mean, you you spoke at a Christian college and realized you missed the campus. Yeah, right. It was uh, fascinating. Uh, You know, I thought I was going to be in church world and, you know, pastoring, preaching for the rest of my life. And so I was out at Biola University in uh, California actually doing a lectureship on preaching, 
it's about two and a half years after I left Moody, and all of a sudden something woke up inside me, Wayne. It was like, oh my goodness, I miss this. I miss college. I miss students. I miss campus life. I miss faculty. I, I came home and I told Marty, I said, I think if Biola asked me to be a custodian, I'm, I'm going to take the job. <laughs> and then three weeks later, after that, I get the call from Cornerstone uh, asking if I could give them names or would I ever consider talking to them about serving here as the president. So looking in the rearview mirror, it's really pretty clear how God orchestrated all of that and set up, you know, experience by experience. And he made it so clear, Wayne. It would have been like a Jonah thing if I said no. That's how clear he made it that we were supposed to come here. Of course, one advantage is our daughter lives here, so three of our grandkids are here. I so, see. Okay, now we're getting yeah. down to it. Okay. Yeah, so Marty says, Joe, we don't pray about these things. We're going to Grand Rapids. <laughs> Actually, she didn't say that, but that was kind of there somewhere. (laughs) We'll continue talking with Dr. Joe Stoll on today's edition of First Person. Please stay tuned. First Person has partnered with Mission Aviation Fellowship to make available to you a free copy of the classic book, Jungle Pilot, telling the life story of early missionary aviation pilot Nate Saint and the pioneering work of MAF. I've narrated this special audio edition of Jungle Pilot, and a free download is available at firstpersoninterview.com. Your whole family will enjoy listening to Jungle Pilot. To download, visit firstpersoninterview.com. My first person guest today is Dr. Joe Stoll, the president of Cornerstone University in Grand Rapids, Michigan, my old friend and the author of a new book, Redefining Leadership, Character-Driven Habits of Effective Leaders. Do you understand you've been thinking about this topic for a long time, haven't you? Yeah, really. This is a uh, uh, deep interest and uh, perspective that God's built in my life. I really think from my dad, watching my dad as a pastor and a ministry leader who led from his character and uh, so I, actually this book has been contracted longer than I like to admit. And finally, after transition out of Moody, transition into Cornerstone, I got some space and the publisher, Zondervans, was so patient with me. And I was able to write some of these things that have been long-term perspectives on leadership that I myself have tried to lead uh, by these principles, not always successfully, but it's been kind of the GPS for me and my leadership. Yeah. Very basically, you talk about the difference between an outcome-based leader and a character-based leader. Can you talk about that for a moment? No, I'd be delighted to talk about that. Most leaders, when they get into a position of leading an organization or a church, feel that they will be measured by their outcomes, like, is the church growing? Is this Christian organization vital? Is so the outcomes of growth and size and bottom lines tend to be the driving force, Wayne. And if that is the case, then we are often tempted to cheat on character and to cheat on what is right and to cheat on what is good, to treat people in ways that Jesus would never treat people in order to get the outcomes done. I think that's the world perspective. That's the world principle of leadership in Scripture. And just take Jesus, the world's most unlikely leader. Uh, It's always character-driven. 
that the first thing is not what kind of outcomes can I produce, but what kind of person am I as I lead, and why is it that I do lead? And it's the power of a person's character that infuses the organization with the example of Christ that ultimately brings long-term outcomes that are far better than a simple outcome-driven leader's uh, success. Yeah, a leader is still charged with getting things done. So, exactly. so at the end, there has to be some outcome, but, but that's not the starting point, you're saying. No, exactly. And uh, the outcomes of a character-driven leader are far more significant, far more long-term, far broader in terms of the organization's impact and the impact on even just the employees of an organization. I should say, too, that one of the joys of writing this book was I wanted to write it to the unlikely leader, to the pastor of some small church who's never recognized, who tends to live under the frustration of big pastors who are on the radio or on television who write a lot of books, and, you know, that my hats are off to these people and these uh, Christian organization leaders who, you know, faithfully serve because many of them are prime examples of these character-driven leaders whose impact will be literally generational because of the kind of people they are. Yeah, that's a good word. We need to honor them and, and respect them equally, don't we? Yeah, and give them a sense, hey, it's okay. You know, I don't need to be in a big place, but I do need to be like Jesus as I lead, and in that I will have power and effective outcomes. Well, that very thing is a kingdom value, and very often these kingdom values run so counter to our worldly thinking. You know, we're so numbers-based and dollar-based and and all the rest that how does a leader come across as strong and, and yet gentle at the same time? Yeah, well, that's a really tough balance. That's a tension. And I think, first of all, character-driven leaders build a platform of respect that enable them to really be strong when they need to be strong. Uh, an outcome-driven leader often erodes the, the platform of respect because he just is about getting the job done. And I don't care how we get the job done, who gets hurt in the process, this is where we're going. And he leads without the respect of the people in the organization and who are impacted by the organization. But if you lead by character, people will respect you. And then decisions that have to be strong, cutting budgets, cutting a position, uh, maybe church discipline. If your character has been strong, it'll win the day because people will trust you through that difficult time. Yeah, that's the very thing I wanted to ask you about because I know in your lifetime you've had to make some very uh, strong and sometimes controversial decisions, tough decisions, and yet they were for you know they were prayer based and they were what you felt God would have the organization do. And you had to, he had to move. You have to move ahead. Exactly. And, and, and if you didn't have the respect of those uh, who were following you and looking to you for leadership, then that makes it very, very tough. It would be just disaster. And so, so the book's not about marshmallow leadership, okay? It's about kind of the uh, Jesus, our king. How did he lead? How did he teach us to lead? And what you said, Wayne, is so important. It is countercultural. It's counterintuitive. For instance, you go to the Beatitudes, which are the marks of a kingdom person. So if a Beatitude is a mark of a, an outstanding kingdom person, then the leader better model that. So the very first one is, blessed are the poor in spirit. So when's the last time you saw that in a management book? <laughs> you, know, you know, here's the way to be a great leader, be poor in spirit. <laughs> but in the book, I explain exactly what that means and exactly how critical it is for a leader 
to be poor in spirit. What does it mean, blessed are those who mourn, as a clear kingdom characteristic? Well, it has massive implications on leadership. And so I did, it's, a lot of this book is very counterintuitive, counter, but then the kingdom is, is counterintuitive. We think yeah. the kingdom's upside down. Yeah. We're upside <laughs> yeah, down. We're the, ones. The <laughs> yeah. we're the ones that are upside down, and this <laughs> book is about getting us right side up. <laughs> I like that. That's very good. As I read it, too, uh, you know, God has uh, put me in certain positions of leadership at times, but at other mm-hmm. times I feel like a follower. And I, I thought this book is even for followers to understand leaders and, and for, let's say, board members to really yeah. understand the leaders they have charge for. No, exactly. And I think, I think there's a broad readership impact on this. I think church members ought to read it. I think staff people ought to read it. I think business people ought to read this because it does give understanding of the right kind of leadership. And I think, too, Wayne, that um, uh, the whole aspect of just looking at Jesus and looking at how he led, he was the world's most unlikely leader, but yet he I think safe to say may be the world's greatest leader today, mm-hmm. long term. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to, in the book, uh, center so much of it on the leadership of Jesus Christ, who's the king. So kingdom leadership ought to lead like your king. Um, so I think that was hopefully a helpful aspect of it. And you talk about followers. Uh, one of the upside down things, I spend a section of the book saying, actually, that a leader should never think of themselves as a leader. They right. should think of themselves as a follower yeah, We need Christ. to turn that organizational chart upside down, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. And in my leadership, I do not see myself as the leader. I see myself as a follower of Christ. And that followership then advises my leadership. Like, if I'm following Christ, I'm going to treat people in a certain way as a leader. If I'm yeah. following a Christ, my vision's going to be a certain thing as a leader. So I think the first, maybe the most important thing a leader does is decide that his identity will be that they are a follower of Christ. Right. I do think there are wonderful lessons here in all of life, whether it's in, you know, the dichotomy that we set up artificially between the, the, the sacred and the secular. But I think there's lessons here for all of us. But even back in the ministry uh, column, there's an emerging conversation about, are, is this a ministry for you or is this a job for you? And I think that's a mm-hmm. healthy question to be asking these days. Absolutely. Is it a career or is it a calling? Yeah. And I think all of us who have been, you know, ministry leaders or just regular folk, we've all been given gifts and we are called to use those gifts for eternity and for the advance of the kingdom of Christ and the advance of the cause of Christ. Redefining Leadership, this book by Dr. Joe Stoll. Joe, happy Thanksgiving to you and Marty and your whole family. Thanks for spending some time with us. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Wayne. And I should have said on the list of the people I'm thankful for, you're there. I just want you to know that for sure. Love your friendship and the joy of serving with you for for all of those years. It's a very happy memory for me. Dr. Joe Stoll, our guest today here on First Person, reuniting our old radio team, including producer Joe Carlson sitting right here. If you didn't catch it earlier, Joe Stoll is now the president of Cornerstone University in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where he loves mixing it up with the students. If you joined us late and would like to go back to the top of today's interview, or if you'd like to tell someone else where they can hear this conversation, just go to firstpersoninterview.com where you'll find it archived along with many other past programs. Again, that's firstpersoninterview.com. 
I said it already today, but I'll mention it again now that a free download of the audiobook Jungle Pilot, The Life Story of Missionary Pilot Nate Saint is available by following the Jungle Pilot link at firstpersoninterview.com. There's no cost or obligation. Start at firstpersoninterview.com. Well, next week, our guest will be Oz Hillman of Marketplace Leaders, helping people fulfill God's calling. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. We both wish you and your family a very happy Thanksgiving. Plan to join us next week at the same time for First Person. First Person.